Exodus chapter 17. So we are kicking off the series this morning called Extraordinary Lies. Extraordinary Lies. This morning, we're going to explore Joshua, son of Nun's life and relationships. We're going to start off by, by looking at the life of Joshua this morning. The name Joshua means Yahweh is salvation. And from the first mention of Joshua in the Old Testament, which is in Exodus 17, we're about to read, he was clearly destined for great things. I want to give you a few highlights of Joshua's life, and then we're going to get into, uh, uh, we're going to explore his life through his relationships that he had. First highlight is that Joshua was Moses' faithful assistant during the exodus from Egypt and succeeded him as Israel's leader after Moses died. Joshua not only was a great military leader, but he was also Israel's spiritual leader. During his years as the leader of God's people, listen to this, and as long as he lived, the Israelites remained faithful to the Lord. Now, like I said, I want to explore Joshua's life this morning through three relationships that he had. And we know that life is all about relationships, right? Amen? Life is all about relationships. So, as we look at these three relationships that Joshua had, I know that we can glean from them and apply these to our own relationship and our own life. So the first relationship we, I want to look at this morning is Joshua's relationship with Moses. From the beginning of the Israelites' exodus from Egypt, Moses depended on Joshua. Let's read Exodus 17, beginning in verse 8. While the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. Moses commanded Joshua, choose some men to go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. So Joshua did what Moses had commanded and fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. As long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. Moses' arms soon became tired, and he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron and Hur found a stone for him to sit on. Then they stood on each side of Moses, holding up his hand, so his hands held steady until sunset. As a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in the battle. So the, we see that Moses depended on Joshua in time of war. After Israel passed through the Red Sea on their journey. The Amalekites had attacked the mass of uh, Israelite people, men, women, and children. Moses turns to Joshua and told him, hey, choose some men and go fight against these guys. Joshua successfully defended God's people and defeated the Amalekites. The life, the life application of this is that, you know what? We all need someone in our life that we can count on in time of need. Amen. We all need someone to stand with us in the battle. And we also need to be that person that someone can count on. Once again, going back to life groups, that's what's so important about life groups. You know, as we was at Griff's um, memorial service Friday night, I uh, had a, a gentleman that, that uh, was here in church year, many years ago, and he was talking about Griff and, and, and their children. He was saying how uh, that Griff, and, uh, Griff was in their, and Alice were in their, in their home group. It was called home groups at the time, same thing as a life group. And he said that uh, it was for, when Harrison was born that 
uh, that, that the home group actually went to the hospital. They were the home group leaders. So they went to the hospital when the baby was born. And that's, that's the kind of, you know, thing that, that life groups do. But when you're in the thick of it, when you're in the thick of the battle, it's nice. You know, we know the Lord will never leave us nor forsake us. But, man, it's nice to have somebody you can touch, call, and pray with. Amen? It's nice to have somebody. He can depend on Joshua. We need to have someone we can depend on. And we need to be that person that can be dependable. Are you someone that someone else can count on? If they call you, are you there for them? Are you there for them to pray with them, to help them, to maybe give them some advice, to get them out of a bind, to they might, they might have a need? You know, are you there for them? Are you that person? I know y'all as a church, uh, I was thinking about this uh, in my own life, about having, we all need somebody to stand with. I, I know, I remember when the twins were born, when our twin girls were born, uh, they were born on, on a Monday morning, and uh, we we had to stay in the hospital for the whole week because they were they were taken a couple weeks early, so they were only both four pounds, a little over four pounds, and so they could they had trouble keeping their temperature up, so they had to put them in the incubator, and they had a little bit of jaundice, so they had the Billy Rubin lights on them. Uh, but we ended up having to stay in the hospital for the whole week. I mean, Monday all the way until Saturday, where finally me and Cassie were just we were worn out, we were tired. We were tired from sleeping with, you know, I mean, even though, and we were very thankful that, I, I, well, I became thankful at the end of the week that, you know, our babies were in our room with us. They didn't have any respiratory problems. But, you know, by the end of that week, I remember by Saturday night, we was at Lafayette General. I walked across the street to go get us some food, and I just couldn't take it, man. I just, I was, I was broken. I picked up the phone. I called Pastor Todd. I was like, Pastor, y'all please pray for us tomorrow morning at church. We've been here all week. I'm not sure when we'll be able to go home. And I just, I needed that, that backing of our, my pastor and of y'all of the church. And I want to thank y'all whoever was here that Sunday morning and prayed. It was five years ago. Don't you know the next morning as the church prayed that afternoon, the twins got sent home. Amen. And so it's such a blessing to have someone you can call when you, you know, just knowing that he was on the other end of the phone listening to me as I was crying and he was just encouraging me. Yeah, Brandon, we're going to pray for you. That's all I needed to hear. But I knew I could depend on him. I knew I could depend on y'all. Amen. So we need that person and we need to be also the person that can be counted upon. Second thing is that Moses depended on Joshua to be his servant. Exodus 24, 13 and 14 says, So Moses arose with Joshua his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. Exodus 33, 11 says, Thus the Lord used to, used to speak to Moses face to face, just as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses returned to the camp, his servant Joshua the son of Nun, a young man would not depart from the tent. We know that Joshua did great things, and even there was a whole book written after Joshua. But it all started with him being a servant. Amen. You know, way before the book of Joshua, we see Exodus 17 and he's referred to as Moses' servant. The life application here is like, listen, if we want to do something great for God, we must be willing to serve with little or no recognition. Amen. We must be willing to serve. And it, it, it doesn't matter. You know, it, and I've, I've talked to people that they know their gift and they know that calling. And that's great. And we know that the Lord is going to use them. But, you know, just as we talked about Jesus, we know Jesus said, I didn't come to be served but to serve. We see this same thing with Joshua. He was Moses' faithful assistant, his faithful servant. The third thing is that Moses depended on Joshua to spy out Canaan, to spy out the land of Canaan. In Numbers 13, when the Israelites first approached Canaan, Moses sent a representative from each tribe of Israel to explore the land. Although 10 of the spies returned with horror stories about the, the Canaanites' power, Joshua and a man named Caleb urged the Israelites 
to trust God and to attack as he's commanded. Numbers 14, 6 and 10 says this. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua, son of Nun, and Caleb, son of Jophana, tore his clothing, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. And if the Lord is pleased with us, he will bring us safely into that land and give it to us. It is a rich land flowing with milk and honey. Do not rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them for the whole community. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. What I want to encourage you today with two-sided too, I'm looking at both sides. It kind of goes along about someone you could depend upon, but you also need someone in your life that you can trust. He trusted Joshua to tell him the truth no matter what. And you, we need to be the person that someone can trust as well. Think about this. You need someone and you need to be the person that someone can trust you to tell them the truth or you have somebody in your life that they would tell you the truth no matter at whatever cost. Think about it. It almost cost Joshua his life. Everybody else was saying, man, let's not go in that land. There's a bunch of giants. These guys are going to wipe us out. All this kind of stuff. Joshua and Caleb said, no, we can do this. Let's do it. And it said they talked about stoning Joshua and Caleb, but still they said, let's go take the land. We need someone in our life that we can trust. We need someone in our life we can trust. And we also need to be that trustworthy person. Let me ask you a question. Are you a trustworthy person? One, if someone tells you something or confides in you, maybe you're that person can you, can, it, can you be the person that someone trusts with, with their, their innermost, you know, feelings and, 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 and I don't want to say secrets, but you know what I mean? Being, being uh, things would stay in confidence. Also, if someone gives you an assignment or, or, or wants you to do something, maybe it's your employer, maybe it's, you know, someone else. Um, you know, can, can you be trusted? Can you be trusted with that? You know, I, I think about this, how much this has been a blessing in my life. Uh, especially when I was the youth pastor, I think about Pastor Elijah and, and, and Matt and Blake, these young men, Brandon sitting here, all these guys that were, that were on our leadership team, uh, in the youth ministry. And it was such a blessing that I would be able to give these guys a task and I, I can trust them and I knew they would take care of it. Matter of fact, to an extent, one night, uh, one, one Wednesday night, whenever we want, me and Cassie were on vacation, uh, Elijah was preaching for me that night and, uh, and, and I was on vacation, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in Florida and, and I wasn't always good at this, but I, I was learning, hey, how to turn off my phone. You know, my wife had her phone in case of emergency, but I turned off my phone and Kia happened to be with us on vacation that, that year too. So Elijah's back here to preach and my phone's off. Elijah tries calling Cassie and tries calling, uh, Kia and both of them come to me like, Elijah's trying to call. You, you need to call him back. Something's probably going on. And I said, no. He's got this. I trusted Elijah that we didn't need to call him back. And guess what? He figured it out and it all worked out fine. He made the right decision and it was good because I trusted him. I knew that he was a young man that could handle it. By the way, it's him and Kia's one year anniversary today, by the way. So praise God. So isn't it a blessing to have people in our lives that we can trust? Isn't that a blessing? Yes. Amen. Y'all can talk back to me. I won't get scared. Okay. All right. It's a blessing. We need to have people in our lives and we need to be that person as well. This situation showed Moses that he can trust Joshua, which leads to the very next thing, that Moses appointed Joshua as his successor. You know, Moses had carefully groomed Joshua to be his successor. 
In Numbers 27, when it became clear that Moses, uh, it became clear to Moses that he was about to die, he prayed that the Lord would set another leader over the Israelites. And we see the Lord's reply in Numbers 27, 18 and 20. The Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, who has the spirit in him, and lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar, the priest, before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. Verse 22 and 23 says, so Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eleazar, the priest, and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. God's words later in Deuteronomy 3.28 to Moses to commission Joshua and encourage and strengthen him reflects the close relationship between the two. These things show us how close of a relationship these two are in. And that's why it was more than just a, a you know, a general to a, a, a soldier or, you know, whatever it, it may be. They were in close relationship, Moses and Joshua. So the last thing I want to look at about their relationship is the significance of this relationship. In Deuteronomy 34, 9, it says, Now Joshua, son of Nun, was full of the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. So the people of Israel obeyed him, doing just as the Lord commanded Moses. You know, it's truly a blessing to have a mentor in your life. Amen? Someone you respect who takes deep and abiding interest in equipping you. Equipping you for the future. You know, if you're, especially if you're a younger person, but you know what? Even if you're an older person, I listen to people like John Maxwell that I know is in his, I think, late 60s now, and he still has mentors. John Wooden, which I'm sure a lot of y'all, uh, heard of him, legendary coach at UCLA, was his mentor up until the time that he passed away. All of us need mentors in our lives, whether you're younger, middle-aged, whatever the case may be, it's a blessing. This kind of relationship brings out the best in us and equips, equips us for greatness. Amen? Just as we talked about in the last year in Legacy, it equips us for greatness. And we see here uh, with, with Joshua and Moses the, the benefit and the blessing of having that. Now, I understand some of y'all might, may have been longing for that. I was talking to a brother just recently, uh, and he was telling me how he never really had a mentor, never really had a father figure. I just want to encourage you. I, I know that, 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 well, I don't know. It must be tough. I've been really blessed that ever since I've been saved, I had mentors in my life, still do today with Pastor Todd, Brother Francis, many others. I've talked to y'all about that before, you know, but I just encourage you to continue to pray if you don't have a mentor in your life. If, if you're a man, it needs to be another man. If you're a woman, it needs to be another woman. But I encourage you to just continue to pray. Seek the Lord and ask him to send you a mentor. And or ask you, also ask him to point out to you who that may be. And approach that person. Prayerfully approach them and ask them, hey, would you be willing to take me under your wing? Amen? This is vital. This is vital in life. It's, 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 it's very important. For some of y'all, that might be your natural parents. For somebody like me that lost their dad, it's a blessing that I had Pastor Todd in my life to be that person. But, but I know that I, the man that I am today, I know it's all glory to God, but I know it's a big part of him using Pastor Todd. Amen? And continue to use people like Brother Francis Bork and other men older than me. There needs to be someone that is godly and that is older. Amen? Amen. So the second relationship I want to look at, which is obviously the most important, even though it's number two, is Joshua's relationship with the Lord. Joshua's relationship with the Lord. 
despite decades and Moses' shadow, Joshua had a significant relationship with the Lord. Joshua learned an, an early lesson in the battle that we just read about in Exodus 17. I'm not going to read it all again, but, but in the battle, Moses stood on the hillside as we just read. You remember his arms got tired. As long as he's held up the staff and his arms were raised, the battle, you know, Joshua was winning the battle, but his arms got tired. Aaron and Hur came up and, and, and helped them out. Now, while the text gives Joshua credit, it was clear that God was actively involved in the battle and it was God that brought the victory. Amen? We know that. That was the symbolism of him holding up the staff in his hands. Was that we know, you know, even though it says that Joshua won the battle or overwhelmed them and, and, and had the victory, we know it was God. It was God that caused that. See, the dependence upon the Lord that Joshua learned that day would serve him well in the future. He knew that something supernatural had took place that day. Which leads me to the next thing. Joshua had a sound memory. When the spies returned from Canaan, Joshua was shocked at the terror of the ten of them spread throughout the camp about the land of Canaan. Joshua and Caleb urged the Israelites to obey the Lord, and they cried out in Numbers 14.9, Do not rebel against the Lord, and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They are only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. You see, the, this trust in the Lord, nurtured by the memory of what God had done for Israel, marked Joshua's relationship with the Lord. See, he remembered. He remembered about the battle. He remembered all the things that the Lord, he remembered how the Lord had taken him through Egypt. And like I said earlier, Joshua was probably thinking, come on, guys, if, if God would take us out of Egypt, split the Red Sea, walk through, uh, cause us to walk through it, why would he not give us the land that we're going through? Amen? You know, we don't, we, we, we talk about that. We've all seen the movie with Charleston Heston, the Ten Commandments and I, but you think about that. Think about driving on the Chafalaya Basin Bridge and looking to the right and all the waters spread like walls and there's people walking through it. Probably be a bunch of Cajuns with some P-Rows and duck calls, I'm sure. But could you imagine that? You know, so just seeing that would blow your mind. Could you imagine being a part of that? And yet still, the people they didn't believe, but Joshua did. Why is that? Joshua and Caleb, because of their personal relationship with the Lord. They not only saw the things God was doing, they were, they were intimate with the Lord. He had, he, he saw the things, but he also, he knew it deep down, like he knew the, the, the God that did this personally. So he had an early lesson. He had a sound memory, but this was the most important thing. Joshua had constant exposure, constant exposure to the presence of God. I love this. This is one of my favorite parts of, 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 of Joshua's life. As we saw earlier, it was Moses' practice to bring Joshua along whenever he went to meet with the Lord. As we read in Exodus 24, 13, so Moses arose with Joshua, his servant, and Moses went up to the mountain of God. He went to meet with God. He brought Joshua with him. And then in Exodus 33, 11, when they were going to the tabernacle or the tent of meeting, as the New Living says it, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, listen to this, Joshua, the son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. He would stay back in the presence of God. That's awesome, y'all. That's awesome. See, Joshua was exposed to God's presence, helping him to nourish his faith. You know, Joshua might have went to the tabernacle because Moses was gone, but he stayed in the tabernacle because he loved the presence of God. Amen? 
The Bible doesn't say that Moses commanded him to stay back. It just says that he stayed back. He lingered in the presence of God. He loved the presence of the Lord. You see, Moses as his mentor brought him up and, and, and taught him about the presence of God. But, Mo, but Joshua loved his presence. That's a presence, a, a, a love that we all need to cultivate, that we all need to cultivate to have. That's what's so amazing about Joshua. Watch, we wonder why Joshua did such great things. I think this, if anything you could point out, would be the key right here. Because, you know, it's in the presence of God that we learn to be submitted to authority, that we surrender, that fear is gone, that, that we, we embrace our destiny. All of that stuff happens, is encapsulated, and is confirmed in the Lord's presence. Amen? You know, what we can learn from this as, as parents, those of us that have children, is that, you know what, when our children object to coming to church with us, you know, and I know there's a certain age and there's, there's you know, you can debate on, you don't force your kids to go to church. But I know this, you look at Moses, how Moses, you know, brought Joshua along with him and taught him about the presence of God. Think about this. There's no better place for the Lord to reach our children than to a place where his presence abides and his word is taught. Amen. You hear stories all the time. Oh, man, I grew up in church and they've gone away. But guess what? They knew they had knew enough about the Lord and have got the word of God in them and have been exposed to the presence of God to where, you know what? Eventually they end up coming back. You know, when you've been eating steak, bologna don't taste so good. Amen. We need to continue to encourage our children, those friends of us, those that we have influence to continue Take him with you in his presence. Teach them not only church, but also about being in his presence in an individual basis. This was key in Joshua's life. Amen? And then we see that the Lord spoke to Joshua. Flip with me now just a couple of books over to the book of Joshua, chapter 1. Joshua, chapter 1, and we're going to read one of the most encouraging and challenging passages in the Bible, I believe, and it is one of my favorite. Many of y'all are familiar with the, these uh, nine verses here, and I'm going to take the time to read them because they're very powerful. And it drives home the transition when Joshua went from, from being Moses' uh, assistant, servant, to, to, his, uh, to the leader of Israel. And, and, and this shows the importance and how powerful his relationship was with the Lord because the Lord spoke directly to Joshua. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says, After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant... The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead this people. The Israelites, uh, the Israelites across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will not fail you or abandon you. We just talked about this. Amen. Verse 6, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. This book of instruction Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you get discouraged, just read those nine verses right there. 
Isn't that encouraging and challenging right there? God promised to be with Joshua. He promises the same to us. Amen? God promised Joshua success. He promises the same to us. God challenged Joshua to observe and obey his word. He challenges us the same way. The Lord challenged Joshua to be strong and courageous, not to be afraid or discouraged. He is challenging us the same way. Amen? And the Lord repeated his promise to be with Joshua wherever he would go. He's repeating the same thing to us today. He will be with us. He promised to be with us. It's so powerful. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous, he says. I love that, man. I, I'm telling you, that, 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 that passage of scripture right there, you know, just, just, you let that get inside of you. No matter what you're going through, what you got in front of you, when you see the Lord's assurance of that he will be with you and he gives us the key, well, be successful in everything you do. Yes, he said, as long as you study in this book and obeying it. Because you'll be successful. Yes, you'll be successful in your business. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you'll be successful in your business for the right reasons. You'll have the right motives in what you do. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you. Like I said, I want you to, if anything, meditate on those nine verses this week to come. If you've been discouraged, if something's been going on, if like we talked about earlier, you've been doubting that God is with you, read those nine verses, meditate on them. Let that sink deep down inside of you because every one of those promises that he gave Joshua, he's given to us. Amen? He's speaking them to us. So we see how the Lord spoke to Joshua now, and we also see Joshua's commitment to obedience. Flip with me now to Joshua chapter 6, beginning in, in, in verse 1. Once again, very familiar story highlighted in Joshua's life of, of Jericho. Joshua 6, 1 says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of all the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its kings, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying the ram's horn. On the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priest give one loud blast of the ram's horn, have all the people shout as loud as they can. Then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave orders to the people, march around the town and, and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After the Lord tells him this, Joshua repeats all these instructions and details to the people. Now drop down to verse 15. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Jericho and everything in it must completely be destroyed as an offering to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house may be spared. Now drop down to verse 20. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly the walls of Jericho collapsed and the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. This, amen. This, you know, this this is another one that we read about and, you know, we, we... Sunday school, and we've heard about this, the song, Joshua fought the battle of Jericho, which I asked Marie to play that, but I guess she decided not to. But uh, no, I'm just joking. 
But you know, we all, the kids, you hear, you've seen that song and the walls came tumbling down. But man, once again, how crazy is that? If you stop and think of that happening, if, 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 if you going around one of the tallest buildings that, uh, that, that you've ever seen, you and a bunch of your buddies and you march around it a few times and you shout as loud as you can and the whole wall comes, the whole building comes crumbling down. That's amazing. I think we read over those things and we just think like, oh, yeah, that's, you know, Joshua in the battle of Jericho. But that's an amazing thing. And it was all happened. It all happened because of obedience. See, just as Joshua was committed to obedience, we must commit to obey the Lord's word in the big and the small things, even if it seems ridiculous. I'm not saying that the Lord is ridiculous. I'm saying the word that he might give you in our human thinking might seem ridiculous. If I told you to go do that, do that today and say, hey, you know what? Uh, why don't you go walk around that area of where the tent's at and shout and so this, this building could be erected? You'd be like, dude, you are out of your mind. Well, that's about as ridiculous as it sounded of a fortified wall city coming down, right? So no matter how crazy it sounds, we must commit to obeying God's word. There's certain levels of, of obedience that we have and that we're fine with. That we say, okay, we're going to obey when the Lord says to do this or that or don't do in his word or might speak to us specifically and give us a word. There's certain levels of commitment, but we got to commit to be all in. Amen? we got to be all in. we got to be all in without our obedience to the Lord and to his word. So that's the second relationship. The last relationship I want to look at is Joshua's relationship with the Israelites. We talked about his relationship with Moses, his relationship with the Lord. Now, Joshua's relationship with the Israelites. Joshua had served for many years as Moses' apprentice. At first, Moses' death, uh, after Moses' death, the Israelites followed Joshua because Moses had commissioned him and, and told him to, like we saw. The Israelites soon saw that God was with Joshua and followed him because he had proven himself to be a successful leader. Years later, when Joshua was near death, he called all of Israel together to have this uh, a, a renewal of, of a covenant ceremony. They wanted to renew the covenant between each other and between the Lord. Towards the end of his speech, he challenges them by saying this, Joshua 24, 14 and 15. So fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today whom you will serve. Would you prefer the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live? But as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. This is a powerful scripture. A lot of us have this scripture verse probably hanging somewhere in our house. Amen. How many of y'all have a plaque like that hanging in your house? Be honest. Okay, a good chunk of us. Amen. I know some more of y'all probably don't want to raise your hand. But it's a powerful script. It really is. It's a powerful declaration. Listen how the Israelites responded. They responded unanimously. Joshua 24, 16, 18. The people replied, we would never abandon the Lord and serve other gods. For the Lord our God is the one who rescued us and our ancestors from slavery in the land of Egypt. He performed mighty miracles before our very eyes. As we traveled through the wilderness among our enemies, he preserved us. It was the Lord who drove out the Amorites and the other nations living here in the land. So we too will serve the Lord, for he alone is God. He had a relationship with the Israelites. He had led them and had proven himself. He had set the example, the bar high, the example of a man of God, a military leader, a spiritual leader, obedience to the Lord's word. He set the example of a relationship 
with the Lord for these millions of people. In Joshua 24, 31, it sums up Joshua's influence on the people. It says this, The people of Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him, those who had personally experienced all that the Lord had done for Israel. No man can ask for something to be said better for him. Amen? It says that, you know, we, we, if you read throughout the history of, of the Israelites in the Old Testament, there was always this cycle of them serving the Lord and then going to serve after pagan gods and whatnot. But the Bible makes it clear that as long as Joshua was living and even the elders after him, the people continued to serve the Lord. And the Bible gives Joshua the credit for doing that. Amen? It shows you the kind of relationship that he had with the people. You know, Joshua is an example for us today. All in all, Joshua was a man whom no negative facts were recorded. If you read through all of these books in Exodus and in Numbers and Deuteronomy and the book of Joshua, all the, the places where Joshua is talked about, there's nothing negative that is recorded about Joshua. He is a man that we can look at as we're kick, kicking off this series today uh, that we can truly and fully admire and look to. And like Pastor Todd said in the video, he was an ordinary man. We know Joshua as he is today, uh, as, as the mighty warrior, as, as the, the, the man that did all these wonderful things. But once again, an ordinary man that God used to do extraordinary things. His life contains several lessons for us. And to just wrap it up today, just recap them. Number one, Joshua demonstrates the value of mentoring. However great our gifts and abilities, they can be honed to a sharper edge by spending time with someone we admire. Once again, the reason, one of the main reasons Joshua became who he became is because he had a mentor in his life. Once again, I encourage you to pray. If you don't have someone like that in your life, to pray and ask the Lord to show you to find someone older and that is a godly person. You, know, you can find a mentor in your life. Some people, are, there's a lot of people that would be willing to mentor you. Make sure they're godly people. Amen? The media tries to mentor us every day. Make sure that it's a godly man or a godly woman. That is mentoring you, that's pouring into your life. Number two, Joshua demonstrates the importance of a relationship with the Lord and obedience to his word. At Jericho, Joshua followed the Lord's instruction despite the fact that they made no military sense. He had confidence in God's word, that God's word can be trusted. And we need to do the same, whether we understand it or not. We need to have a similar confidence in the Lord and a readiness to surrender our lives to the Lord. And the third thing, and the most powerful thing that we can, we can pull, well, I say the most powerful, but in our everyday life is that Joshua demonstrates the power of a good example. The power of a good example. Joshua set a high standard for his people, and they lived up to that example. You know, you can see it all through our society, in the education system and everything. It seems like we're going in the opposite direction. The bar is getting lowered, even in the church, not, not being raised. Isn't that right? Is it just me or do y'all see that too? The standard, it, it, over the years, has continually, the bar continues to be dropped, not to be raised. Joshua set the standard. Remember, Israel, you know, went through all that stuff. They, they worshiped the golden calf when they were in the wilderness. All of that. Joshua was up on the mountain with Moses when that happened. And he came down and they were worshiping the calves that are, you know, this is our gods and all that kind of. So he was in the midst of a, a, some of the most pagan people, just as we are today. But he raised the bar. He raised the standard. And the people stayed at that standard. You know, we can be a good example. Never 
overestimate the power of a good example. The example that you can be, that we can be to our children, to our co-workers, to our employers, employees, classmates, and to fellow Christians. Now, I'm not saying go around and be judgmental and tell everybody what they're doing wrong because they're not to your standard. That's not what I'm saying. But just let, we don't have to tell them, let our lives show it. Amen? Let's raise the standard. Let's be a good example for the lost, for the hurting, for those around us. Whether it be in our families, like I said, in the church or in, in the workplace, wherever it may be. And you never know. You sitting there in your pew today and you might feel like an ordinary person. What extraordinary things the Lord will do through you. Amen? Everybody stand up with me. So as we recap these three. Which area in your life would you say that you might, you might need to work on or maybe need prayer for? Maybe it's, you know, once again, the... Uh, you know, the area of, of mentoring. And obviously we went down, you know, through the message of the, you know, are you a person that, that, that can be depended upon, that can be trusted? Do you have people in your life that you can trust, that you can depend upon? Those relationships, this, this whole message, like I said, we explored jo- Joshua's life through his relationships. What kind of, this, this message, I pray, helps you to reflect and to think about and take inventory on the type of relationships you have in your life. Because life is all about relationships. We know the Bible says that, that, that you know, bad company corrupts good morals. So if it, it, it's, it, they say be careful of the company that you keep. Because it could either, one, it could help you, it help you to grow, help you to flourish in your life in every aspect, no matter if you're a student, if you're an employee, employer, you know, no matter what it is. Are you a person that can be trusted, dependent upon? Do you have a mentor in your life? Let me encourage you. Where are you with your relationship with the Lord today? What level of commitment are you at in your obedience to God's word? Are you all in like Joshua? No matter what the Lord tells you to do, no matter what the, the, the Lord tells you to lay down, are you all in in your obedience to him and to his word? As the standard's been, been getting lowered, in our society, have you lowered those standards or have you stayed with the standard of the word of God? I, you know, when I first got saved and even just coming on staff here, you know, people would ask me, well, th- does your church allow you to do this? Or does your church? It ain't about what the church allows us to do. It's what the word of God says. You know, we don't tell people how to dress and what they can and can't watch. But what is the Lord telling you to do? What is the Lord telling you to go? To go? What, what is he what is he calling you to? As we talked about all last month and, and so forth and so on. What level of obedience are you at? Where is your relationship with the Lord? And have you been being a good example? Are you being a good example right now? As a believer, are you being a good example everywhere? Not just on Sundays, but Monday through Saturday in your school, at your work, in your family, in your neighborhood. Are you being a good example? Now, nobody's perfect. As I'm saying that, I'm like, man, I'm not a good example sometimes in my own household. Can y'all feel me on that? You know, I blow it. I understand. I know. But, but for the most part, are we working towards that? If not, look, I, I pray that you would pray and you'd make a decision today. And for some of y'all in here today, you maybe have never made a decision to serve the Lord. So I want to ask you what Joshua asked the Israelites in Joshua 24, 15. Choose this day whom you will serve. For everyone today, 
I want everyone to bow their heads, close their eyes, and let's take inventory on these, these three things I talked about. But for some of you in here today, you might say, you know what, Brandon, I've never made a choice. Today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to challenge everyone that hears my voice in here to make a choice today. Choose this day who you will serve. Maybe you've never made that choice to serve the Lord. And you say, Brandon, I've never, I've never been born again. I've never been saved. I've, I've come to church, but I never surrendered my life to Christ. I've never, if I, if I died right now, I don't know if, if I would be right with God, if I'd stand before God, what my eternity would look like. But today, as I stand here, I want to make a decision. I want to choose to serve the Lord. I want to be all in. If you've never done it before, I want you to slip up your hand. Slip up your hand, Ted, if that's you. Thank you, Lord. I say today, I make a choice. I make a choice to serve the Lord. I see your hand back here, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? I choose this day. Okay, thank you, ma'am. I see your hand, young man. Thank you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Come on. God's in the soul winning business. Amen. Today is the say of salvation. Anyone else? First time, say, I want to surrender my life to Christ. All right. Now, the next group of people, maybe you've, You've given your life to Christ before, but you've teetered, you've tottered, you've, you've been, you've been kind of one foot in the world, one foot in the kingdom, and, and you've, you've maybe lowered the standard, and you've gone after other things, and you would say, if you were honest today, nobody looking around, you say, you know what, Brandon, I, 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 at one time I was all in, but I'm not all in now. As Joshua challenged the Israelites, maybe you've, in some form of fashion, you've been serving someone, something else besides the Lord, and you've been half and half. But you say, today, I'm choosing to serve the Lord wholeheartedly. If that's you, raise your hand. Say, I want to be all in. I want to be all in. Hands going up all over the sanctuary. I want to be all in today. I want to be all in. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Come on, let's pray. All of y'all that raised your hands, whether you raised your hand for the first time, are you, are you just raise your hand? Let's pray. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for me. I thank you for saving me. I thank you for making a way that I can enter into a relationship with you. Lord, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And I choose this day that I will serve you, Lord Jesus, all the days of my life. I surrender my life. I surrender my all to you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord.